Hello everyone and welcome to this Hempson's podcast on partnership disputes, what to do if you're involved in one and how to avoid them. My name is Ross Clark, I'm a partner in the GP team at Hempson's. I have uh, two other partners, uh, Alison uh, Oliver based in our Newcastle office and Justin Cumberledge in London. Uh, I'm based in Harrogate and across our Manchester office as well. Um, partnership disputes are very sensitive and what we'll cover is a few of the sort of common sources of disputes, um, what to do if uh, you get involved in one and how to avoid them. Uh, I'll begin actually by just some of the common sources of disputes. Uh, there's a range of these, so underperformance is a common one, poor record keeping, somebody being continually late. There's then behavioural issues, sort of bullying or disruptive, disruptive or inappropriate partner behaviour. You then get a category of sort of more material breaches such as drug and alcohol addiction, a criminal offence or a, a GP that's being referred to the GMC. Um, a tricky one is long-term absence because very often somebody's off on genuine medical grounds and it's very difficult for the continuing partners because they clearly have a lot of sympathy with the partner concerned but as time goes on the needs of the partnership prevail and they, they, they then start to think well actually we need somebody else in and and that is fairly common but again it's it's a particularly difficult one because of the emotions involved as i say on both sides as well it's, it's a difficult one for both sides to to deal with but um again that 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 is something that uh, as time goes on they do need to deal with it to to uh, address the sort of the the absence of a partner from the partnership valuations particularly around property is another common uh, source of disputes um, and uh, of course, external pressures, COVID being a really good example of that, that, that has added to the pressures in partnerships uh, and, and led to disputes, partners that were being, um, you know, that certain behaviour was, was being accepted or were just being ignored and the partners could live with it, certainly no more and they want to deal with it. So just to move on to the sort of legal background uh, a bit, um, the Partnership Act um, has, has a couple of clauses that are particularly relevant to disputes um, and, and one section, section 25, provides that no majority of partners can expel a partner unless a power to do so has been conferred by express and that means written agreement between the partners. So unless you've got a written agreement between the partners you cannot expel a partner. And section 26 applies where there isn't a partnership deed and it's called a partnership at will and in that situation, any partner can determine, i.e. dissolve the partnership at any time on giving notice of their intention to do so. So where you've got a partnership at will, where there is no deed, or there is a deed, but it's no longer binding because new partners have been added and it's not been signed by them, uh, you end up with a partnership at will and means there is no right of expelling a partner and any partner can dissolve the partnership, which is a very powerful right in a dispute situation. Uh, moving to the partnership deed itself, there's just two key clauses you would normally find in expulsion provisions, what are called with grounds expulsion provisions. Um, and these are a set of circumstances that if they are committed, then a partner can be expelled. Um, such as, you know, immoral behaviour, bringing the partnership into disrepute, those kind of things. Um, the, the difficulty with these is, is the partner being expelled or under consideration of expulsion needs to fall clearly within one or more of those grounds. The grounds are often um, drafted in a subjective manner um, so that, you know, they, they commit a grave breach or they commit 
immoral behaviour. Now, those are subjective. You know, what is a grave breach? You might think it's grave and the partner concerned might say that's not grave. That doesn't affect, you know, you know, that has a significant impact on the partnership. Well, what is a significant impact on the partnership? So very often there's subjective terms that, that, that mean that these provisions are not as clear cut and as definitive as they can be. And of course, the burden of proof is on the partners seeking to expel and rely on these clauses because they must show that the partner has breached that provision and have proof and evidence that they committed a certain act that was that, 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 that was contrary to the, the, the interests of the partnership. The alternative, the second uh, clause, uh, is uh, a compulsory retirement without grounds clause, often called the green socks clause. Um, and in this case, you don't need to specify grounds. And the decision is, is usually based on a decision by the partners that they don't wish to continue in partnership with the partnership partner being expelled. So there aren't any basis for it in terms of the grounds. They simply decide they no longer wish to continue. And that's why it's called a without grounds uh, clause. You don't need a basis of, of expulsion other than that decision. Um, you need to be careful because some of the green socks clauses that we see um, are defined slightly differently that they come to the decision that it's in the best interest of the partnership to expel the partner. And that's slightly different because that takes you back into a subjective test about, well, was it in the best interest of the partnership to expel the partner? You need to prove that it was, and therefore it's better if it's just clear that it's a decision of the partners that they no longer wish to carry on with them. And, and the burden of proof you'll see switches here because as long as they've complied with the clause and exercised it in the correct way, it's for the expelled partner to challenge that they were wrongfully expelled. Now, on that, beyond the Partnership Act, beyond the Partnership Deed, you have uh, duties of partners. The important one here is the overriding duty of good faith. This applies in all dealings between the partners. They must all, at all times, act with the utmost good faith towards each other. But this comes to the fore in partnership disputes and expulsions. It, and in an expulsion situation, you need to exercise that duty of good faith, as does the partner being expelled as well. It works both ways. And, and when we come to expulsions, that, that really focuses on not the decision to expel, but the way in which you do it. Have you exercised that right correctly, properly, fairly, in accordance with the provisions of the deed and in a fair way to the partner being expelled? I would just mention also the danger of discrimination. Employment law doesn't generally apply to partners, but uh, a partner can claim discrimination under the Equality Act. Now, the claim must be on one of the protected characteristics, and the usual one within a partnership dispute situation is disability linked to a long-term illness or, or health issues. The partner claims that they are dis disabled and therefore they're being discriminated against. They bring a discrimination claim. Now, it, to, to bring a discrimination claim under, under disability, generally for an illness to, to classify as a disability, the, the absence must exceed 12 months or be repetitive. And it is dependent upon the effect on the partner's ability to carry out his or her normal day-to-day -day activities. So, you know, a partner may be ill and have, have, have some form of what we would regard as a disability, but if that doesn't affect their ability to carry out their normal day-to-day activities, there wouldn't then generally be a claim because it's not affecting their ability to work. The danger with a discrimination claim is that there's no real limit on the compensation. A tribunal, and it's the employment tribunal that hear this, can order payment of compensation for financial loss because of the discrimination, hurt or distress, which is called injury to feelings, 
um, and, and they can even award aggravated damages for particularly bad behaviour. Uh, and finally, costs are not normally recoverable. So beware the possibility of a discrimination claim that can really make a significant impact if you've got a disagreement or looking at a potential um, expulsion. Um, the common challenges to an expulsion are there was no such right, i.e. there was no binding partnership deed. You might have had a partnership deed, but it's it's fell by the wayside. It's not been renewed properly. There isn't a partnership deed, and therefore the provisions you think you are relying upon are no longer valid and enforceable. It's actually a partnership at will. Um, and you need to be careful because if you change the partnership, a new partner joins, for example, and all of the partners don't sign either a new partnership deed or a deed of admission to admit that partner, you effectively, that deed could be could be dead and you're at a partnership at will. So the first common challenge is there's no such right. Second one, and this is the main one, is the expulsion isn't carried out properly, in which case it's void. The provisions in the deed for holding a meeting, for giving notice to the partner, all of those requirements somehow were met. Maybe the meeting wasn't quoted, the notice wasn't served in accordance with the notice provisions by sending it by recorded delivery post. Those are examples of where the provisions are not carried out and they must be carried out in strict accordance with the with the terms of the deed. Otherwise, the expulsion isn't valid. Um, and the final, even if you know there was a right to expel, it was carried out and done properly, you still have this argument about duty of good faith. Have the partners breached the duty of good faith in, in expelling, even though technically they've done it um, uh, correctly? Um, so moving on um, to sort of the uh, disputes and how they're resolved or determined, well, um, that could be an agreement between the partners. That's the best result all round if they can come to an agreement. Anything that is agreed should be recorded in writing um, to, 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 to make sure that it's properly recorded. If that isn't enough, then solicitors are often then involved and there is an exchange. Usually that takes place with sort of open and without prejudice letters um, between solicitors. Now, the open letter is an exchange where the solicitor acting for the expelled partner, for example, sets out all the legal basis upon which the expulsion was invalid and was being challenged and the claims that are going to be made. And the solicitor on the other side acting for the partnership will probably send an open letter challenging all of that. Now, without prejudice letters are very useful because the, the, if they're marked as without prejudice, what it means is that they can't be relied upon by either party. So anything said in a without prejudice letter cannot be relied upon and used in evidence against the, the party that sent the letter in, for example, further on down the dispute if it goes to mediation or arbitration. And it allows a space for the solicitors to discuss a means of resolving the dispute and terms for that dispute. So you can say, you know, without prejudice letter, you'll have seen our open letter, you see the arguments, but our client is amenable to negotiating a settlement and here's the terms upon which we would be willing to settle and the response letter comes back so it's like a game of tennis with these letters going back and forth open and without prejudice and and hopefully that resolves the matter and you move to a you know a, a deed or a document to record that settlement agreement or a deed of retirement if that isn't enough then the next stage is usually mediation where a mediator is involved the mediator doesn't determine the dispute, but tries to help the parties resolve it. Works as an honest, you know, impartial go-between between the parties, usually at a meeting, held all day, usually the last last most part of the day. And, and the mediator shuttles between two rooms, often between the two parties to try and eke out sort of terms upon which agreement can be reached. And in most cases where a mediation is used, they result in a settlement because the parties don't go to a mediation unless they have 
a, a reasonable sort of prospect of, of and, and will to to resolve the dispute that way in Fifthly. Beyond that, it then goes to either an arbitrator or to court. Now, arbitration and the court are basically very similar in terms of costs and, and how, they're how, how they're determined and who's at them. The difference is court is public and anything that goes to court is public. And that's why very few disputes go to court. They go to arbitration because arbitration is private. You effectively an arbitrator, think a judge, you will have counsel and, and, and solicitors for the um, claimant and the defendant. So it's very similar in most cases to a court case, but it's before an arbitrator and the arbitrator's um, uh, findings is, is, is binding. The key difference is actually the privacy of an arbitration, which is why they're used so much. So what do you do if you're involved in a dispute? Well, initially try and stay calm. That's very difficult because it's usually very emotive. Don't make snap decisions or say anything you may regret. Read the partnership deed and any relevant background documents to understand your position. Take advice early because usually GPs are clinicians. They're not used to looking at partnership deeds, not familiar with them or the implications of them, especially in a dispute. So get advice to understand your position. You then should try and think about the objectives and strategy of the other, other side, your partners. What are they thinking? What do they want? You then in a position to understand what your position is, what rights you have, what obligations you have, what options you have, then you can sort of properly engage in discussions with, with your partners. And um, when you do engage, think about making your discussions without prejudice. And it's as simple as that. You just agree out front that the discussion you're going to have is without prejudice and similar to the letter from lawyers. Well, that means that anything discussed at the meeting is a means to try and resolve it that cannot be relied upon. You cannot later go back and say, oh, he or she admitted this in that meeting because it's without prejudice. You cannot do that. So it gives a safe space to discuss openly um, what the issue is about, what the attitude of the parties are and, and how it may be resolved. You might need to agree some interim measures to enable negotiations to take place. For example, the partner concerned might um, go on authorised absence, go on leave, but is regarded as authorised absence. And you might want to check because sometimes there is a right to expel if a partner is on unauthorised absence over a certain period of time. So you want to get an acknowledgement that if you do go on authorised absence, it will not be a breach of that clause and you won't be expelled for it, etc. And um, try to maybe think about involving intermediaries such as the LMC to try and sort of act as a mediator in not really a full mediation, but just to help help the, the, the parties reach an agreement. Try again to exclude the emotion and remain civil. That is, I appreciate, very difficult because it's very sensitive, it's very emotional, it's very difficult time. And everything discussed should be recorded in writing. Even if it's without prejudice, you should record it. If the other side is taking minutes, you take minutes, maybe put an email to them that might be marked without prejudice. This is what we discussed at the meeting. This is what we agreed. Do you agree? So you have a record of it. Once and hopefully an agreement is reached, have that recorded in writing. Now, if it's if it's a dispute about internal matters within the partnership, it's not an expulsion, nobody's leaving. That could just be in a minute of a partner's meeting that records it. But if, for example, somebody's moving on from the partnership, then it should be recorded in a binding agreement. So a deed that clearly sets out what has been agreed, it maybe have what are called full and final settlement clauses that basically say this is in full and final settlement and and no party can come back to the other for any other claims this is it this is the whole deal you want confidentiality provisions in there to make sure that nobody talks about the deal um, an obligation on parties not to make any derogatory statements about the other and probably an important one is an agreed statement to go to the staff and patients so 
that's what to do if you're involved in one. How do you avoid one? Well, I, I think hopefully you'll have heard from the beginning of this podcast, having a partnership deed and a binding one that's current and up to date is the most effective defence. Even if that provides for expulsion, very often when there's a good partnership deed that provides the rights, even when a partner is expelled, they look at the deed and say, well, yeah, I did sign up to this. I don't have a claim or I'm going to claim, but but it's it's much clearer. People accept the position where it's all down to something they've agreed. Um, they, they, they tend to accept accept that more readily. The lack of a deed has such important consequences, a partnership at will and the right of dissolution. It's really crucial that you get a partnership deed in place. Also ensure it's updated. If, for example, something is specified in the deed, such as, for example, the means of valuation of property, but over a couple of years, the partners have veered away from that and decided to adopt a slightly different method of valuation. Well, that should be recorded um, because that's a common ground for a dispute if, if there's a disparity between what happens in practice and what's in the deed. So again, vary the deed or have a partners meeting where you minute altogether that you've agreed that from now on the valuation of property will be carried on on this basis, not that's in the partnership deed. Everybody's clear. It's all set down in writing. Again, takes away uh, a lot of the grounds for argument. Um, if you are looking at your deeds, look carefully at the grounds and procedure for expulsion. Does it have without grounds provisions in? Are they sound? Is there a good process? Are you happy with that process? If not, start discussions about that because it's always good to do it when there isn't a dispute. And you can deal with these in a sort of objective way because nobody is being considered for an expulsion. But you can then deal with the position. What if it's me that's going to be expelled? What if I'm one of the partners looking at somebody else that's not behaving properly, etc. And you, that, that's a good way to, to, to do it. Um, and consider the costs of a dispute. They are expensive. Now, I'm not just talking money. They obviously cost money when you need to get lawyers involved, but it's actually the other aspects, the stress, the effect on morale, the resources from within the pra uh, practice and the partnership, the time, um, it, it just costs a lot, particularly in stress. So take COVID as an analogy that comes along, you've got your day job, then COVID comes along and you've got to deal with things in a completely different way and address all of that on top of what you're doing normally. It, it's similar. You've, you're running along in a practice, you're busy enough as it is, then a dispute arises. You take It takes all your time. You're going to have to look at the deed, go to meetings, have meetings with lawyers, discuss the letters. It takes an immense amount of time. As it goes on and on and on, the stress builds, the costs rise. It, it, it really does, does affect a partnership. It's sometimes necessary, but often if you deal with issues early within the partnership, if you raise and address issues early, have performance reviews, have appraisals, record outcomes and agreed actions, revisit that frequently. You can you can deal with issues, resolve them without it festering and becoming something then becomes highly emotional and very, very contentious. Um, so have your partnership deed in place. That's the core one. Raise issues early, discuss them, try and resolve them internally. Um, and if at all is possible, avoid the escalation because that just leads to stress and, and costs. So thank you very much indeed. I hope you found the podcast interesting and informative. Um, our contact details will uh, be available um, and you can contact any of us if you have any questions. Thank you and goodbye.